this morning, it's a pleasure for me to welcome one of our long-term missionaries. Kyle and Heather Ferran started serving 15 years ago in South Africa. So they've been associated with Grace Chapel since that time. And after about four years in South Africa, then they took a position in Tanzania. And after about four years, then he took another position as the regional director for Western Europe for ABWE. So this morning, he'll be telling us about his roles and responsibilities there and how God is, is working in Western Europe. And for me, uh, it's just exciting when we're able to meet face-to-face with our missionaries and hear how our involvement is having an impact across the ocean. Uh, it's, it's a wonderment how God has chosen to work and how he's chosen to use us in this little village of West Liberty that we can, through the Ferrans, have an impact on thousands of people thousands of miles away. So without further ado, Kyle, did you want to introduce your wife too, or just maybe later? I don't know. Um, if she would like to stand up, she'll wave. Uh... <laughs> and I suppose that's probably Natalie. They Na- have three Natalie, daughters. Natalie, our daughter. Yep. Abby, Emily, and Natalie. And the two older ones are now at Cedarville, I understand. Yep. yep. Very good. good. All right. Thank you much. It's good to be here. All right. Uh, Here, are you switching the screens over there? Okay. Let's see here. I'm going to try to switch this here. All right, there we go. Well, it is a pleasure for us to be here today. Uh, I think with when before we went to the field, we came at least twice to your missions conferences here, and uh, that was a real joy for us to be able to get to know the church before we went, went to the field. Uh, Mike Eckstein would call once a month uh, with the first year or two, or, for, or maybe even our first term we were on the field, and that was just a real encouragement and a blessing. That was the only church that did that. And so we have really appreciated uh, the investment of Grace Chapel over the years and just enjoyed getting to know the church and the people here. So uh, we really just thank you guys so much for your investment, uh, not just financially, but just as a church, just getting to know you and uh, just to have your encouragement to know that, uh, that you were behind us. Uh, and we really thank you for that. Why don't we just go ahead and pray real quick before we take time just to uh, share some things. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what a good God you are. And we thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your work wherever that is, Lord. That whether we be in Ohio or across the ocean, you're still at work and we can be faithful to follow you and uh, do as you lead wherever that is, Lord. And we just thank you for that so much. And we pray that this morning that you will just encourage our hearts to be faithful in all that um, you have called us to do, wherever that may be, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, as we shared, yeah, our, uh, our family has grown quite a bit since we uh, first went to the field. Our two, our two oldest daughters at Cedarville, we were just down visiting them at the homecoming in Cedarville, and that was really nice. And... Uh, our youngest, Natalie, is seventh grade, so our family's growing up quite a bit. We left for the field in 2007, 
and uh, we're in South Africa in an AIDS outreach ministry for about eight years there, and then in Tanzania for three years, and now in Portugal for four years. So our family's grown quite a bit. Our oldest daughter, Abby, is engaged to a great guy named Connor, and they'll be getting married next summer. Emily is uh, a freshman at Cedarville, and she's studying elementary ed and uh, special education. And Natalie's launched in the seventh grade. So um, as we share this morning, what we're going to be talking about is joining God at work. And when we join God at work, it forces us to depend on his power and his strength to do the work. Because it's not in our strength to be able to do that. Just as Jesus said in John fifteen five, apart from me, you can do nothing. And joining God at works means having the courage to step out and follow him wherever he leads. Uh, and sometimes he leads and changes directions on us. But it's, it's that idea of when, you, when Abraham, when God told Abraham to follow him, he said, go to the land I will show you. He didn't give him a map. It was a step-by-step following of God. And that's what God calls us to do. And this is true for every believer of Christ, no matter where you are. So one of the questions we get asked sometimes is, why the role of regional director? Well, the average time that missionaries spend on the field is only about four years. And a lot of the reasons for that are uh, conflict on the fields or, or burnout of missionaries. And our goal is to do whatever we can to help keep missionaries spiritually healthy and vibrant on the field. So they can stay there, and the work of the gospel can continue. And as we do that, the gospel just continues to flourish as people stay in ministry and ministering. Another question we get asked is, why Europe? Didn't the Reformation happen there? Didn't a lot of our hymns come from Europe? And these are great questions that our missionaries get asked a lot. And it's easy to think that Europe is reached and doesn't need the gospel, but here's some statistics. Statistics that are pretty startling. The percentage of evangelical Christians in the U.S. is about 25%. Uh, In Ireland, it's less than 1%. In Spain, Portugal, France, Italy, also all less than 1%. Germany is less than 2%, and Norway and England, only 3% attend any kind of church, which is a very broad spectrum, uh, regularly. Someone was going through a cathedral in Europe, and they were going past a painting depicting Christ, and they overheard some people talk and say, "Ah, you know, I don't know, I think some people believe in a guy named Jesus. Europe needs the gospel. There are about 100 missionaries that we serve in Western Europe, and we have about eight countries we work with, Portugal, Spain, France, Germany, Italy, England, Ireland, and Scotland. And our family moved to Portugal a couple years ago, or four years ago, and this was the best place for us to be based at, to be going and ministering to the missionaries. There's an MK school there that uh, our kids have been able to attend, which has been a huge blessing. And just a little snapshot of Portugal. Let's just say it's very different than it was in Africa. We have paved roads now, Uh, we have electricity, we have water, Uh, we don't have flash floods anymore, Uh, but all those things kind of became normal life in Africa that you get used to and you 
you go through them as God calls you to be there. Uh, but you adapt and you change to where God calls you to go. And so wherever God has us, that's the best place to be. We've been able to visit some nice places in Portugal. We do some hiking nearby. Uh, but it's been a little different now. I don't carry my big Rambo knife and bear spray anymore. Um, I, I don't have to be on the guard all, gu- on guard all the time for uh, 17-foot pythons, black mambas, crocodiles, uh, puff adders, hippos, baboons, leopards. So it's kind of boring, but it's beautiful. So we have enjoyed that. During our travels, we've been able to find some great food. When we visit the missionaries in Spain, let's just say we probably eat way too many churros and chocolate. So uh, we can't go over there too many times. But we have enjoyed just uh, each place that God's moved us as a family. You, you go and you make that your new home. And so you kind of reinvent yourself for that new place that God has you. And he takes you there and you say, all right, this is our new home. How are we going to live here as a family and make not just minister, but also live and be a part of culture and life there? We also live near some old castles and palaces. That's been something that we didn't experience in Africa. There's things there that are older than our entire country here in the States, so that's been interesting. And, you know, everywhere that God's moved us, we've adapted and changed how we live, but even though how we live changes, why we live never does. Our goal is still the same in all the places we've lived. It's to see the gospel to continue to spread and to equip others to be able to do that. So our small part in God's big work, as we serve the missionaries, we always keep in the back of our mind that John fifteen five: apart from me, you can do nothing. Everything we do is nothing unless God takes it and blesses it and does what he wants to do through that. In the role of regional director, Heather and I really do serve as a team, and that's been a real joy to be able to do that as we serve the missionaries. And our main goal is this, serving the missionaries of Western Europe to build healthy missionaries and ministries. And what we do changes a lot from day to day. But the key priority is to meet the needs of the missionaries so they can continue to serve well. And some of the big categories of what we do is lead, develop, and care. So the first part is lead. And uh, there's a few different ways that we do that. One of them is helping teams have healthy relationships with each other. And so we will regularly visit our teams during a team meetings or team retreats. And just to spend time with the missionaries... And we also spend a lot of time with the team leaders and their wives to help them as they're leading their teams. We also help the teams look for open doors for ministry, just encouraging them and challenging them just to be thinking about where does God want us to be ministering next? Are we doing it in the most effective way possible? What are the new opportunities that God's put before us that we need to take advantage of and, and be leaning into those? We also help teams invest their time and their resources wisely. One of our retiring missionary a few years ago had said, there's enough good things to do to keep us busy 26 hours a day. Our job is to figure out the best things. And so that's what we encourage and challenge our missionaries with, to be evaluating every part of their ministry to say, is this helping us to multiply 
prayer, disciples, leaders, and churches? Is it helping us towards that goal? Being busy is not the goal. Seeing the gospel multiply is the goal. We also help teams resolve conflict. Like I said earlier, that's one of the big reasons that people come off the field. And so if we can help deal with issues when they're smaller, it helps to prevent them growing and causing people to leave. We also help teams with recruitment. And from when, when someone contacts ABWE that they're interested in Western Europe, we start working with them and try to help them find a good fit for them on the field and to see if they're going to be a good fit for the teams as well. We want to make sure we get the right people on the teams to be able to um, move the gospel forward. And so we spend a lot of time, this does take a lot of time for us working with essentially hiring missionaries and approving them to be able to come to the field and then working with them through that process. The second part of what we do is develop. And I'm able to regularly connect with our team leaders for uh, coaching and mentoring and some of our missionaries as well. And then Heather's able to connect with the team leaders' wives and some of the single ladies as well. And during COVID, uh, we had to do a lot of this online. And so Europe had a lot more restrictions than we did here in the States, and so that carried on for a long, long time. And so we were just able this year to start getting back into some of our visits, but even that was really um, short visits. We had to, uh, for our travels, we had to have a negative uh, COVID test, but you only had 72 hours if you got a negative PCR test to travel. So, because otherwise you could get there and you could, like I did in January, test positive here in Cedarville and I got stuck for like a week and a half. So we would be able to travel on, a, on one test for 72 hours. So it was in and out on the same test um, to be able to travel this, this last year. But there's three things, three main ways we work with developing others. And that's coaching, mentoring, and equipping. And before we started this role, we knew that there was no way that we'd be able to invest fully in 100 missionaries to be in eight different countries. And so we knew we had to be investing heavily in the team leaders in each of those countries. And so we've done that over these last few years, is really just poured into them. And it's been great to see them grow and develop and them to be able to lead, lead on, the, on a lot of the areas in their own country. And so heavily investing in them, just like Jethro told Moses, it's not good that you try to do this alone. You need to be investing in other people and helping them develop and grow and lead. But one of the things we discovered uh, over these past few years, uh, and we do a lot of these through video calls and visits, uh, but we've had a big turnover in our leadership. So six of the eight countries have new team leaders from when I started. So all the investment time that went into those first few leaders God's transitioned them to different roles, back to the states, different areas for various reasons. So we've realized we need to go one layer deeper on developing leaders, and that needs to be on some future leaders, because God could change and direct uh, people in different ways. And so in the future, these next few years, we're going to be investing in also in some of these younger leaders, and we'd like to be flying them to us and spend a few days with us. I did this a few years ago with a young, young missionary, and it was a very, very beneficial time where he came and stayed with us for three days and just spent time with him, invested in him, talked with him about leadership, talked with him about character and how he can be growing. And so we'd like to be able to do that. 
in this next term that we're back on the field is be having more of these people come and stay with us and investing in them. Uh, if you'd like to be a part of helping out with that, our one-time gifts that we have during furlough are going to go to be helping out with covering the cost of plane tickets, uh, travel, food, and stuff for them as they come and stay with us. So if you'd like to get help out with the one-time gift, there's uh, some information on our table there to help with that. And finally, care. Uh, it's a, such a joy to be able to encourage missionaries and see them uh, just re-energized as they're encouraged in the work of the ministry. And part of our role is to visit the missionaries on a regular basis to do that. A few months ago, uh, we got one of those phone calls that you don't really like to get, that one of our missionaries had just been diagnosed with, uh, with cancer and was going to be having to leave the field. And so we jumped on a plane the next day I think it was the next day. Flew up for just a short visit, uh, helped them take them to the airport, helped pack their belongings, and just to take time to pray and to be with them during that time as they're heading back. It was kind of one of those things like Job's friends where there's not much you can say, but just to be there shows the care and the love that they needed to have. They're now in the States getting some treatment, and uh, we were able to visit them this summer. If God brings them to mind, you can pray for Nahum and uh, his recovery there. Caring for missionaries, coming alongside them to encourage them, is helping them to stay encouraged and strengthened in the work of ministry. People get discouraged. They need to hear they're doing a good job. They need to hear that their work matters. If they get discouraged and quit, it takes a long time for someone to come and replace them. And sometimes it's just nice to be able to have someone come in and be and to show the work show the church, show the, show the things they're doing uh, to someone else. And that's, uh, it's really helpful and encouraging to them. And so it's been a real joy to be able to do that with many of the missionaries. Another part of caring is we organize conferences, a regional conference, and also annual leaders meetings that we organize to have uh, time of encouragement and growth and refreshment for our missionaries. Sometimes God throws us a curveball that uh, we were not expecting. This last year, the school in Portugal, the administrator uh, retired, and we'd been trying to find a replacement for them for the last four years, or for the last three years, and God hadn't provided, so um, because we had no one else to run the school, Heather stepped in as the administrator for this for one year. And thankfully, God, praise the Lord, he's provided someone else this, uh, this last spring. Someone came and was able to start the new role there and take over. Uh, but the school stayed open, so that was a, a real blessing. Uh, God grew us a ton this year as we were, as I said before, normally we, Heather and I work together, so it's the regional director is kind of a two-person job, and then we took on another two-person job. So um, it was a long, long year. Um, we're very thankful for God's provision for the new administrator. Another uh, area of need is we are always needing teachers in Lisbon. That's a beautiful place. So if, if you're a teacher and you have ever thought about, you know, I could go over. We have people that are fresh out of college. We have people that are kind of in the middle. And we have a lot of retired teachers that will come over for a year, two years, and be able to teach at this missionary school. And uh, we have... A lot of missionaries, and we also have some international students that are not Christians, so it's an opportunity to be able to share your faith as well. So 
If you'd like more information on that, come talk to me or my wife afterwards. In everything we do, we're simply joining God at work. Whether we're overseas or whether we're here, wherever we are, we're joining God at work. Ephesians 3 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's God's work in us that enables every spiritual work that we're a part of. Now, we don't have any of the strength to do that. It's God's power working in us and through us. And as he fills us, he overflows from us. He gets all the glory and the work or he gets all the glory for the work he accomplishes around the world. So what are some things that are God's doing in Western Europe? The main ministries in Western Europe are church planting and church revitalization. So, uh, or church restoration, which is essentially church planting in an existing building. Historically, it takes a long time for churches to be planted in Western Europe. Uh, but we do have missionaries that are nearing retirement that God has used to be able to see multiple churches planted. So it's neat to see God's continued work there. Europe is a post-Christian society. Uh, and ministry is very, very different there than it was in Africa. People don't see the church as the answer. Churches and cathedrals are pretty much empty except for the tourists that are coming through them. And for people to attend a church service would be extremely awkward for them. It's very culturally different. Even the word for church in Portuguese is the word for cult. So it's, uh, it's, um, it's not seen as streamlined or the, the normal. And so people don't trust you if you just walk up to them and start witnessing to them. So how do you minister? Hold on a second here. I seem that... There we go. How long has it been uh, on screensaver? Not really. Okay, this is like, you guys have probably been wondering what I'm swiping up here for. Um, So how do you minister in a situation like, cultural situation like this? You connect with people where they are. You go to people on their turf. Uh, In Portugal, one of our our missionaries, uh, he loves to run. Doug is in this picture. He's the uh, back row, the third from the right. And Doug has run, I think, at least 80 marathons. Um, someone else that I was just talking to about him the other day was running in a was running in a um, in a marathon, and Doug had come up and was uh, had was just visiting. He's like, "Oh, I'll run with you," and he just, he's just at that pace for his whole life. Uh, but one time, Doug met a guy that had no interest in God whatsoever, and when found out Doug was a pastor, was really not super interested in talking to him, but when he found out that Doug was a runner, then started chatting and talking. Well, about a month later, Doug saw his name on the, um, on the list for a marathon he was in, so Doug worked it out to kind of be over next to him and ran for about 40 minutes, shared the gospel with the guy. And Doug has opportunities like this all the time because he's constantly working to be around people that are not Christians. And he, uh, he encourages his church to find their tribe. In other words, find the people that enjoy doing what you're doing and then go do it with unbelievers. And 
I know this is probably true here, but people are busy, right? People are busy with work. People are busy with family. Uh, but a lot of times they have the, these other areas of interest that they enjoy doing that they'll, they'll go do with another, with another group of people. And so many times that is where we're finding those connection points, is just connecting with them in those areas of interests, finding a common bond. So whether it be gyms, cro- uh, running clubs, surfing clubs, you don't really have surfing clubs here, but you know, uh, motorcycle clubs, judo classes, kids swimming and ballet, CrossFit, there's all these different ways that our missionaries are connecting with people and getting to know people, and God's using that to open the doors to share their faith with these people. And it's in these areas where there's common bonds that conversations start and able to move towards sharing the faith that we have in, in the Lord and the hope that we have. But to, sh- to be able to have that opportunity to share the hope in the gospel, we need to be intentionally building relationships with people. Uh, we need to reach people where they are. And uh, the vast majority of people in Europe, and more and more so here in the States, aren't coming to church to find the answers. We need to go to them. And we should always be looking for those opportunities to share Christ uh, in our everyday interactions, but we also need to be intentional about where we can be connecting with unbelievers. You know, the, the Bible says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. Are we? Are we a friend of sinners? And so many times as Christians we can get you know, pulled more and more and more into our bubble and we don't have friends that are unbelievers. And so how can we be connecting with the lost? Spain has a lot of the same problems that the other countries in Europe have. Uh, people are untrusting of church and Christians and because of this they're really hesitant to come to church to talk about God or to talk about spirituality. And so one of our missionary couples in Spain, the Byerleys, wanted to create a safe space for people to have gospel conversations. And so they opened up a coffee shop. And when, uh, when we visited them, it was absolutely packed. And they're meeting people from all walks of life and having conversations with them that lead to gospel conversations. A few nights a week, they have uh, these English conversational classes where people can come and as they work through the different topics each week, eventually they get to God and, God and spirituality. And they found a way to connect with the community and they're having conversations with people that have been right around the corner for them for all these years, but they've never crossed paths with them. And so this has been a really neat opportunity for God's word to go out. In France, it's even harder to have gospel conversations with people uh, or try to get them to come to church. So our missionaries there have been meeting people through sports ministries and uh, going to the, and at the gym through basketball. And as, they've meet, as they're meeting people, then they're inviting them over to their homes and having gospel conversations. Some of the questions they get asked are, you know, who's God to you? Is God going to stop what's happening in Ukraine? How can God allow evil things to happen in the world? And so they're constantly around lost people, and they're constantly looking for opportunities to have gospel conversations. Sometimes God does bring people to us. During COVID in Ireland, all the churches were completely shut down uh, for almost a year. And they had, so they switched to go online. They'd never done that before, but they started doing that. And an older gentleman named Pat was part of a Catholic church and they didn't have their services. So he started watching 
this other church service online and through that realized he wasn't a Christian. And um, during that time, he became a believer. After the COVID restrictions lifted, he started driving about an hour to an hour and a half to come to the church because that was the only, there's not very many church, uh, evangelical churches in Ireland, in uh, the Republic of Ireland. And so he started driving, and um, soon after that, he became baptized and um, was just a great testimony there in the church. A few, uh, little while back, though, Pat passed away, but all of his family from the Catholic churches all fi- totally filled up the church and all heard the gospel. So we have no idea what God's going to be doing through that. But even during that time where people were in Ireland were wondering, you know, how can we keep ministering to, to people? God was still at work. He was working behind the scenes to do that. God was bringing people to himself. And when things happen that we don't expect, we have to adapt and change. Uh, but we, we do the best we can with it, but remembering that God's always at work, even behind the scenes, is so encouraging. It's not our work. It's God's work. And some of our churches through this time have actually doubled in size. And totally a God thing, not like, hey, you know, we should plan a worldwide pandemic. And then, uh, no, God is doing this thing. This church in Spain here, before COVID, had about 40 members. And now they have about 80. This, was, this picture was taken at a baptism service. So there was a bunch of family members, about 125 people in there. That God has just brought, brought people through uh, through this time, they would start watching the services online and then w- would be able to come because before, as I said, that people are really uncomfortable coming into the church. And so now that it's online, they can watch and be like, oh, okay, they're not crazy. <laughs> this, is, this is actually good. They're teaching the word of God because they're not getting that in the Catholic churches. And in Portugal, one of our pastors was, came up to a new family and was introducing himself. I'm like, oh, hi, pastor. Yeah, we, we know who you are, and there's your son over there. He plays. We've been watching for about a year now, but we're ready to, we're ready to come and get involved now. And so God really u- has been using these online services for the people in, in, in Western Europe to be able to have a safe step, a first step that they can take before they come walking through the doors, which is a huge step for them, to be able to be like, okay, no, this is, this is, what, I, this is what I want, and it's normal, and there's a, a bit more safety there. So God's really used that in a great way. You never know what God's doing behind the scenes. Another benefit from COVID was I wasn't traveling all the time, uh, so I took my nights and weekends and finished a book that I've been wanting to finish for about 10 years. And uh, so that's been a real blessing to finish that. And it's just another way to be encouraging and challenging our missionaries and, Lord willing, other missionaries around the world. It's our regular challenge to missionaries to be working on their heart, to prioritize their heart above everything else. I remember back in South Africa when we were there, I was working on our vehicle one time and trying in vain to get the oil filter off. And I uh, was very frustrated, and God challenged me, reminded me of this uh, as I was getting angry at an inanimate object. Uh, who you are is more important than what you do, because what you do flows out of who you are. And that's our heart is the most important thing about us, because ministry is an overflow of the heart. And our desire is to be developing a culture among our missionaries 
that focuses on ministry being an overflow of the heart, not just being busy. What we do is very important, but who we are is even more important because our actions flow out of our heart. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So actions are an overflow of our heart. Our doing flows out of our being. And God doesn't just want my actions. He wants my heart. He wants all of me. And if we desire our lives to be effective in glorifying God, spreading the gospel, then the only way this is going to happen is if God is working through us, if God's help is empowering us. We don't have the power to accomplish anything. We don't have the ability to accomplish anything apart from God's strength flowing through us. And we need God's power to fill us and overflow from us. And so the question then becomes, how do we become filled and overflowing with God's power? Second Chronicles 16.9 says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. God tells us that he's looking, he's searching for a certain kind of person on whom to pour out his strength to. And so when God searches, he's searching for a servant after his own heart. And this is... God's interested in who we are, not just what we can do. And this is because God does all the work, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. God's the one that does the work. So he's not looking for someone that's got all these great abilities. He's looking for someone that he can flow through. And so just an illustration of how our life can be filled with overflowing. There's four different parts to it. The, uh, the spring... And then it flows into a stream, and then there's some barriers that, that fall into there, and then an oasis. And we're going to be looking at the oasis even more during our morning service today. But the first part's the spring, and the spring is where water that's been underground comes up to the surface. It comes bubbling out. And day after day, springs pour out water. And for us, God is that eternal spring. He's the fountain of living waters, like Jeremiah says. He's the source of our physical life, but he's also the source of our spiritual life as well. And he is the source of everything good, and he deserves all the glory because of that. And because of this, we exist to magnify him. Isaiah forty-eight eleven says, For my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? And my glory I will not give to another. So God is looking for servants who will glorify his name in everything that they do. That's his purpose. His goal is to glorify his name. So he's looking for people that are not going to get in the way of that. That are going to glorify his name in the greatest possible way. And so this is the lens through which God looks at Where is he going to pour out his power? He's going to pour out his power on people that aren't going to get in the way of his glory being seen. And this is how he chooses where he gives his strong support. The second part is the stream. And the stream is kind of like, if you think of a stream bed, if the stream bed doesn't, isn't connected to the spring, guess what? It's just a pile of rocks. And that's what our life is like when we're not connected to that spring. 
Because we're just like an empty stream bed. We have nothing in and of ourselves to offer. We're just a conduit. Our life has to stay connected to that spring. Otherwise, we become dry. Apart from me, you can do nothing, like Jesus said. When our life is connected to the spring, though, His life-giving water flows through us to others. And we connect, the way we connect to God is through taking time in personal worship, being with Him day by day, uh, taking time to be in His Word and to worship Him. Not just filling our minds with, with, uh, with knowledge, but taking time to be in His presence. And this is where our strength to minister to others comes from. Only when we connect to God and depend on His power will any spiritual change happen around us. When we try to do it in our own strength, uh, we're going to face plant. And because we would be trying to take some of the glory for ourselves. Now missionaries are usually really, really hard workers. Uh, but it's easy to begin to minister in our own strength. And then we begin to carry the burdens that we're not meant to carry. We begin to carry burdens that God was meant to carry. And eventually this leads to burnout. Um, maybe people never get to the point of burnout, but we, we focus, when we focus on problems that we're not meant to carry, our souls get weary. And we become like Peter when he was walking on the water and we start focusing on the waves instead of the Lord, we start to sink. And like an empty stream bed, we need to be replenishing our souls daily through worship and relying on God's strength. And we need that strength for all the trials that are going to inevitably come. We need His strength to allow us to get through that. And not only do we need the strength to, for us to endure, we also need to have something to share. We can't minister from an empty stream. We need to be able to have something to share and to give with others. And we need to be able to share from that, that overflow. And this is why uh, we just encourage our missionaries making their private worship of God a prior, the priority in their life because they need to be filled regularly, daily, to be able to overflow to others. Jesus took time for it. You see that in the book of Luke, especially where he said Jesus would often go away to a desolate place for time of prayer. He would take time for his soul. And we need to do the same thing. Everyone in ministry, everyone that's not in ministry, as a Christians, we need to be filling our soul with Christ. The third area is the barriers. When you think of that stream, what happens if you were to take that stream and you had a bunch of rocks and trash and you just dumped it at the mouth of the stream? What would happen? Well, it would, it would hinder the water from flowing down the stream. It would, it would dam it up. And when we allow sin to remain in our life unchecked, it's like throwing rocks and trash in the mouth of the stream. It hinders the flow of water through that stream. And spiritually, what happens is we become a dry stream bed or just a little trickle of water gets through because we've allowed all this trash of sin to stay in our life. And so the question is, are we allowing or hindering God to flow through us? If we're allowing sin to remain in our life, even the small ones, we're hindering God's power flowing through us by that sin that's there. 
And if God's not flowing through us, many times it's because we've allowed these sins to stay in our life, to get a foothold in our life. You see, like when you think about water, what happens when, when, when water has barriers removed? It instantly flows. We had, there was a dam up in Michigan a few years ago that broke, and that fast, water flowed. Because water is always searching. Water is always searching. It doesn't look like it is, but water is always searching for a path of no resistance. And in the same way, God is looking for hearts that have that resistance removed to allow him to flow through them unhindered. So that Second Chronicles 16.9 again, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. So God is looking for hearts that are fully open to him, to allow him to flow through, the, through them without any barriers. If we submit to his power, he'll push out those barriers of sin and flow through our lives. So just some questions to think about there. Are you allowing doubt or worry to be a hindrance in your life? Are you allowing sin to get a foothold? Are you savoring the praise and recognition of other people? You see, these are all barriers that that God wants to push out of our life. And God is searching. What is he finding when he sees your heart? When he looks at your heart, what barriers does he want to push out? And the fourth part the oasis. We're going to be going into this more uh, during the morning service, but uh, in the country of Botswana, which is right above South Africa, there's a a river that flows literally into the middle of the desert. I think it's the only place like it in the world that does this, but it goes out into the middle of the desert, and every year it floods, and it never goes to the ocean. So it floods, and it turns the desert into this huge oasis, and it's called the Akavango Delta. And Animals come from hundreds of miles to find food or refreshment there. And this is what our life is like when we become filled to overflowing. We become like a desert oasis. The people around us in the world, the world's kind of like a desert. Spiritually speaking, it's like a desert. And people are searching for life. And we can become like an oasis that shares life-giving water. Other people are searching for refreshment for their weary souls, but they're not going to find it in the world. The world doesn't have what it needs, what they need. They need to, they need to see that in us there's something different. They need to see a joy in God that overflows uh, all around us. And when we're filled to overflowing, we'll be like that oasis in the desert. An overflowing life is possible because the fountain of living waters is still waiting to flow through every one of us. How does that happen? As servants of God, we're messengers. We are messengers. God has entrusted us with a message to speak the gospel of Christ. Matthew 28 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is a command for all of us, whether missionaries or pastors or Christians in the pew, all of us, we're all disciples of Christ, and we're all called to make more disciples. And this is not just a suggestion, um, it's, it's a command. 
that we're all called to do this, and this is how we, are, how we please the Lord as we follow through with that. And we'll talk, take some more time to look at that uh, this morning later. But without the message, there's no oasis. Without the message, there is no oasis. We need to be sharing the message of Christ with others. God equips us and blesses each of us to serve in different ways. Uh, if God leads it with you to, to partner with us in the work, some different ways you can do that. The first is pray. We are so thankful for those that take the time to pray. And we know that uh, it says that the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much, that God answers prayer. And we're so thankful for those of you that take the time to pray for us uh, individually and as a church. So we thank you for that. Um, on, our table back, on our table in the back, we have some prayer cards. So if you want to grab one of those, put it on your fridge or somewhere that would jog your memory to pray, we would greatly appreciate you taking time to do that. Also, you can be praying. Uh, another way that I kind of use as a reminder, someone had told me about this, and I started using it, but set my phone alarm. Most of you have one of those, right? A phone? Okay. I set your alarm for like 9.38 a.m. or p.m., you choose. And it's just a reminder to pray f- like it says in, um, in Matthew 9.38, to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And so when it pops up, just pray for laborers. That's all the little phrase says. And it's just a reminder to do that. And I pray that God would send more laborers, that he would also help the ones that are already on the field to be, including myself, to be better laborers. And that God would be continuing to to, uh, work in his harvest. And so just a reminder to do that. Um, I encourage you to do that if, if God leads you to do that. Second, we just thank you as a church so much for your faithful giving over, I think it's been about 17-some years that you guys have been a part of our ministry. And so we were just so thankful for that and are, couldn't be able to do it, do the ministry without you. Philippians 1, I'm often reminded of, says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for, your, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Also, just want to encourage you to be praying. We have $650 we need to make up in support. Uh, We've had some of our supporters that have lost jobs or passed away. Um, So just be praying for that. Uh, If this is an area you can be praying for, and uh, if God stirs your heart to get involved in a more way, you can grab one of the uh, pamphlets off the back there or talk to us. Last, to be able to go. We need people that want to make an impact in cultures that have less than 1% evangelical Christians. Less than, less than one out of 100 people. So in a room this size, yeah, maybe you'd get like one person in a room this size that would be a believer. Unbelievers aren't coming to churches. We need people that are going to willing to go to them to reach them with the gospel. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Are we? Uh, to be a light, we need to be going to the darkness. Whether God leads you to go across the ocean or to stay here, my challenge to you would be to be a friend of sinners, to go towards the lostness, connect to them, and see how God gives you opportunities to share your faith with, with others. If God's inc- challenging you to take another step, I'd encourage you to talk to us or grab some information off our table. We'd love to talk with you about some ways that you can get involved in taking the gospel wherever he leads. Uh, Every single believer 
wherever we are, we need to be going towards the lost. And uh, God, as we take those steps of faith, God will open up the doors to share, share our faith, but also to listen, to listen to what other people believe. And not just to take time, not just to try to cram down Christianity down their throat, but to listen to them so that then as they share their heart, we know how to best respond. And they're also more willing to listen after we've taken time to listen to them as well. So I just encourage you to take steps towards lostness uh, in your life today. How can your life overflow to the lost? If you'd like to uh, read some more about uh, what I was sharing today, about being overflowing, on our table back there, there's, uh, we have a big stack of books. If you'd like, we'll grab a copy of that. You can do that. And that's gonna, the proceed, a lot of the proceeds for that are going to help them with the leadership development as well. So feel free to grab some of those. And there is a, uh, if you'd like to use it for a small group, there's a free study guide uh, that you can click on and download and uh, be able to have some discussion time that well is that, that way as well. All right. Well, we, uh, again, we are so thankful for being able to, uh, to be here and to share with you this morning. And uh, we'll go ahead and close up now, and then uh, we'll have some times if you'd like to have any questions, you can be able to catch us in between the service or afterwards as well. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace. We thank you for just allowing us to be a part of your work and to just to know you, that we are a child of God. And we just pray that uh, in our life that you will help us to be looking for opportunities to, to connect with lost people. And that as we do that, that our life will overflow in joy and in love and with sharing the message of Christ with others, Lord. And we just pray that you would work in and through us day by day, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.